Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. And today I am joined by my friend and, in my opinion, a musical genius and a, a lot of people's opinion a musical genius, uh, Tony Molina is on the show, and Tony has been on the show before. He has his own episode. He was on his splits, I think the first splits actually ever, with Nick Woj. And we, uh, you know, we were texting uh, apropos of nothing, certainly nothing to do with the last episode that was on this podcast feed, about the greatness of the fastbacks. And it led to a conversation about pop punk and why certain bands get taken up as being pop punk and other bands do not, and how there are many bands that are arguably the best bands making uh, poppy, hooky, catchy punk music. And unfortunately, these bands uh, are tend to be overlooked when we discuss pop punk, uh, all of the fastbacks. So this led to a conversation where uh, Tony and I decided that we were going to sit down and hash it all out and talk about pop punk. And uh, yeah, so Tony has new music coming out down the line uh, at some point. And, you know, Tony will probably be back closer to the album coming out to discuss it. So just to get you hyped, because I'm hyped. So I want to get you hyped, too, about new Tony Molina music in the uh, in the pipeline coming down for us. Uh, in terms of notes on this episode, uh, I, the Parasites are from New Jersey. I don't know why I say Florida, but for some reason I say Florida. Speaking about getting states confused, I may have said Iowa when I meant Idaho, the festival I was in was in Boise, Idaho, and it was the Incredible Tree Fort Festival. An unbelievably good time. And the gentleman that I met was Kirk Hadet. I believe that's how you pronounce that last name. I apologize if I'm mistaking it. He, of course, played in the uh, Popo Pies, played with Flipper, played with Pansy Division. I actually just learned post-recording this episode with Tony, but I'll, I'll tell him next time I talk to him. And also played in Bean Church was the name of Greg Turkington's band that I could not remember. And his record store is called Spin Records in Boise, Idaho. And if you're ever around there, drop in and say hello because uh, yeah, the guy's got some amazing stories. And there were some great records. I picked up some cool stuff there too. All right, that is that. Sit back, relax. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and get ready to get uh, uh, talk to you about pop punk on Turned Out a Punk with Tony Molina. Tony, welcome back to the show. And uh, I guess I'm just going to repeat exactly what I said to you two seconds ago. Um, but the impetus for doing this is that I have had the fastbacks on my mind a lot lately. And if there's one person I know that shares my my love for this underappreciated band it's yourself so i kind of wanted to have this conversation with you to sort of you know reassess what we call pop punk because you yeah. and me were just talking you know we we're talking off air how we both kind of feel there's a lot of bands that are left out of this conversation that are are some of the best bands yeah they're my they're probably my second favorite band of all time and the, i think the first band is the beatles so if that you know if that even counts really yeah. they're probably my favorite band ever 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I kind of think that they were a band that, um, you know, like I think I heard them actually pretty early on because they did have good distribution because of the sub pop records and stuff that they put out. But yeah, it wasn't until I heard the early stuff and kind of realized like, oh my God, they've been this good the whole way through. And right. they, you know, they're like a first wave band. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're super first wave, man. I mean, um, 79, you know, and here's the thing. You listen to the really early demos and they're like great, like well-crafted songs. Mm -hmm. um, like pretty right out the gate. I think the very first demo is Kurt's playing drums. Um, and I think he's playing guitar too. Um, but you, when you hear that stuff, it's like, they were so, I don't really know. I mean, because it's like they had, okay. So there was before the fastbacks, there was the cheaters who I think they might've been like, a power pop band kind of i think it was kurt with his brother uh al mm -hmm. and al ended up being in a pretty well like regarded la band later on called i think concrete blonde or something like that really yeah oh man you're blowing my mind now with this thing i, I, think, I don't know I think, I think something like that if, wow. you, if you can i if you go you can go i'm going to call like it up little... i'm calling up right now i got the computer in front of me yeah and well, we played in wool which is he, yeah he played in wool that's right that's another thing yeah uh, maybe he played in concrete bond i'm going through his credits let's see but the cheaters that cheater single is awesome right yeah and that's like the early early stuff like that's like late 70s i think right or it could be it could be early 80s but it's definitely i think it's a precursor to the fastbacks maybe they just coexisted at the same time i think um, it, yeah it might be predated by a year or two and oh yeah. he played in the the morbleys too do you know that band no no they're like this um like seattle band that had this first single that was like jim uh bass bass night and the morbleys that she got fucked is the name of the song and it's on one of those you know n numerous killed by death type comps that right right just rips and then they went a little more kind of straight up power pop as they kind of went on and and kind of, I guess, coexisted the whole time with the fastback. So I guess it makes sense. There's a little bit of overlap between members. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of the KBD stuff, those, those early, I think it was no, it could have been no threes records then. But I know one of the records that Kurt, like he might've recorded it, but I know he released it was that the accident killed the BG single. Yes. That's that, Kurt. Yeah. Kurt that's did that. Yeah. Well, I think he was saying that he saw the the Whiz Kids, you know that group that was like, no, no, it was like a theater troupe that, um, you know, is like legit proto punk in Seattle that has like members that went on to be in the Lude and the Screamers and, you know, has connections to the Tupperwares, which has connections to like Nikki Six and all this kind of El Duce. I think has some sort of connection to at some point with yeah. this whole group. You know, it's like one of those unbelievably rich history bands and i think kurt was saying that he saw them even uh -huh. which is to me mind-blowing but also mind-blowing to me is that kurt's brother al played on a ben lee record oh yeah i think he's like kind of a yeah he's like one of those like musician guys who like is like connected but like maybe like more in the shadows kind of guy you know yeah um but, but yeah i mean I, I looked at his discogs page and i was like oh shit this guy like, did a lot of shit and 
it's weird. It's like, it's it's because it's his younger brother, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, so the Block Brothers, there's two. And there they're are both, two. They, yeah, and they both have like a long sort of discography there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, I know for a fact that like uh, one of the things that Kurt, and he loves talking about it because I've hung out with him a lot and uh, over the years, and I'm happy to say I, I got to because he's my favorite, you know, living songwriter pretty much. Him and Bill Fox, you know. Uh, but it's it's like uh, he um, he loves seventies rock. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he's a huge uh, Kiss and like Montrose and fucking, you know what I mean? Like he, so he's like a rocker and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's I think it's like I think maybe because the thing is about the fastbacks and the early stuff is like it doesn't sound like your regular power pop stuff that came out like around that time. You know, it's very much, it doesn't sound like the right. They, like they cover the raspberries on that one 12 inch single, uh, the gone to the moon, um, single, but they don't sound like a power pop band. I mean, they're probably, probably, you could probably call the early stuff power pop, but it's kind of its own thing. And I yeah. think like, you know what I mean? Oh, here's the thing about Kurt. He loves queen. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so with pop melodies and like like that kind of thing because it, that was the thing i was drawn to the most by the fastbacks is how absolutely incredible the melodies and and the chords and the cording and the, it, like it's so advanced and um and that's why yeah but um and and then when you think about okay well this dude grew up listening to queen that makes a lot of sense because queen's all like classically trained you know what i mean and like obviously you got brian may right so that's always like one of the things I was like, okay, that makes sense for the sort of, because dude, they came out swinging right out the bat, like their earliest stuff just shreds. And it's like really like, you know, like uh, kind of the courting and all that stuff is like really like, um, what, what do you want to call it? Like a fucking uh, co- complex or like, you know, mm-hmm. well, that's yeah, why yeah, yeah. their stuff doesn't seem as dated, you know, as a lot of power pop stuff from the same sort of era, because it, you're right. It does have this like, lower end sort of bottom end rock to it that just yeah. kind of propels it that's why like to me there's no other way to describe it than than pop punk because it is like it is so hooky and is so catchy and it's like right. you know like it, it's it's poppy like it, i mean that in like not a pejorative way i mean that in like the best way it is it is hooky in a way that all these songs should have been hits and could have been hits in another universe i'm sure they are hits yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like I definitely people have told me before uh, that the fastbacks are pop punk, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, no, they're fucking not. You know what I mean? Because um, they're too good to be pop punk or whatever. But I think for me, is it's because that word is like so many different types of music, and a lot of it is the kind of stuff that's like way after my time that like I think is kind of nasty kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I'm not hating on anyone, but like. Um, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to listen to warp Tour, like children's music, really. You know what I mean? And so like, <laughs> I'm kind of like, you know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, well, pop punk is, you know what I mean? So I always like, but then I kind of realized, dude, I'm like, you know what? It's just, it, 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 you know, it, 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 it has like a long, it goes all the way from that kind of stuff. Like the stuff that I love to all the way into that sort of like mall punk kind of thing. And I'm just like, well, whatever. And I'm okay with the word now. And then I kind of realized at a point that like, well, shit, what I do is pop punk then, you know? 
yeah and like and I, I think even what fucked up does at times i think people would call pop punk in a sense yeah that, yeah you, know, you were, were trying yeah. to write hooky music right right and i think that yeah i mean i'm okay with it now you know i mean I, i'm not sure if you would call the bananas pop punk but i love the bananas to death like i they're one of my you know favorites from growing up and you know what i mean so it's like and obviously like i as you know the early 90s like lookout stuff which i like a lot mm-hmm. you know i grew up on it i mean that's pop punk for sure when i think of pop punk i think of that you know i think yeah. of love songs for the retarded you know yeah no i i think that title doesn't age very well but that record is still yeah. like classic hooks on it and i think that's the yeah uh, that that's the thing about like that style of music is when when it's good it it's amazing and when it's not it's almost like punk pop you know like the right 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 yeah i mean for for for, you know with with the queers and stuff it's like for every like song that's about like budweiser and farting and like like anti-pc stuff there's like there's like a couple like real like incredible like well-written underrated i would say like beautiful like ballad songs you know yeah yeah and I, yeah I, I find like the other thing that i love about like to to go back to like the fastbacks kind of scene yeah. is like you know they put out records on subway organization which also puts out records by like the razor cuts and the shop assistants and like the flatmates and like this whole what record what 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 record came out on that one uh they did a couple on there the uh in the winter single came out on that and wrong 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 came out on it shit I mean, I have those songs on the LP, but I don't have the single. I got to get the singles because, you yeah. know, I'm like, a, I'm a completist with them and shit. Like, I'm going to have to buy a bunch of fucking Mises records because just to get <laughs> <laughs> just to get the fast back side. You know? but like, but yeah, and it's good. That's the thing. It's like I have all the 12 inches and I have hell of seven inches, but I've been like, you know, and I got, you know, thankfully on my 21st birthday, actually, uh, Kurt sent me the first uh, It's Your Birthday seven inch. Oh, that's awesome yeah yeah he's such a he's a great man he's the best but uh but yeah no i, I need to get the, the seven inches if i'm like a completist with it which i think i am you know it's like definitely like not as difficult as like got it by voices or something like that you know yeah there there is and there's also like a lot of cool stuff in their discography like the in the summer single came out on stephen priest fan club records who put out the stars and stripes records that's really interesting wow yeah wow it's such a weird like it's a seattle-based label and they put out like a lot of like you know they put out a lot of interesting records like the gas huff or fastback splits also on there you know metal mic records and things like that but then also right right. stars and stripes and uh sledgehammer from japan and stuff like also isn't isn't sledgehammer like the the samurai skinhead stuff yeah it's a little bit on the uh dodger side i think bull and the buffaloes too who are on there and and uh wow yeah there's it's it's an inch it's such a like a a weird discography to get into with the the fastbacks because they don't really you know they don't really fit in a genre like it's almost like they should have put out a record on lookout it would have been interesting to see where that would have gone if they had done one at the height of green day hitting because yeah well if you know i mean if you notice like you know as soon as like certain stuff started hitting that you know it's like that's right around the time when they were got signed to sub pop and i definitely think there was crossover with that kind of like epifat um 
definitely lookout stuff, which is like not really hard to believe, you know, because I definitely think that like they were really good friends with the Muffs, who I think are the second greatest pop punk band of all time. That's mm-hmm. Fastback's number one and the Muffs number two. But like, uh, um, and the Muffs were kind of like lookout adjacent a little bit, you know. I mean, I know that like Kim was really, you know, tight with the queers and stuff like that. Um, and she's what here's the thing, she's on Lori Myers on Punk and Drublick. So yeah, there was there was crossover with this stuff. I mean, that guy from the Posies who got canceled recently, he was in Lagwagon for hella years. Whoa, I had no idea there was a Posies Lagwagon connection. Dude, you know that fucking Lagwagon album with the f- double platinum and it's like flannels on the on the front? Yeah, yeah. It, Ken Stringfellow's on that record. It's so and, weird when you go into like Lagwagon's like history and how they connect to like Josh Brolin and RKL and like all this crazy, crazy shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, Brolin was in RKL, right? Like at the very beginning, right? Yeah, like the pre, I guess it's technically the pre RKL band. That's pretty I've, sick. I've still like never heard anyone like, you know, just Nardcore out with them. There must be an interview out there with that someone doing that with them. But I'd love well, you, man. You should do it. Oh, man. that's my dream. He's he's on the list. He's like one of the ones that like has gotten away many times. Like Kurt from the Fastbacks too. Kim from the Fastbacks. Like I think those would be unbelievable people to talk to because it's just like, you know, talk about a band that like would have fit in on the lookout scene, but like goes back to like what 79 they form 81 i think actually 81 i think no no they formed in 79 dude um the first seven inch came out in 81 okay but they were they were advanced in 79 for sure like some of those early recordings like don't eat that it's poison and stuff that stuff is like like 79 80 um and so like yeah like they well they're crazy because they predate punk it like like as far as far as them being in in around in seattle and being musicians and stuff well, but no, like Seattle's it, like kind of a weirder scene like that, though, because there are bands like the Tupperwares, like, you know, there's this night that, once again, I I really, Kurt was kind of informing me about this, and I'd only read about it, but, like, they call it the the TMT show, um, and I always, I always heard it as TNT, but apparently it was TMT, and it was where the Tupperwares played, and that's like, God, like, I think it was like 76, maybe, maybe it's 77, but, like, but he was there for it too. And so Seattle had that. And plus the whiz kids before that and the enemy and like kind of this wave that I guess fastbacks oh, yeah, are like, enemy. you know, like they're just coming right in at like pr- probably on the same wave of people coming in. For sure. For sure. Like, um, I wanted, I I'm interested that there should, there should be a book just about them. I think. Yeah. My, I mean, be, because on, it's like, because it's like, Guns N' Roses first show, like that whole story is crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know the hitchhiking and everything, and and that you know there was what uh, twelve people there. Yep. But the fact that Guns N' Roses were like, we're opening for the, they they were like the local, like they were very well respected by everyone, but they're somehow left out of the history, a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 when you read books or watch documentaries, and it's like, why is it because they're pop? Cause it's like, obviously pop and grunge are two different things or whatever. Right. Like mm-hmm. there's a huge difference between green river and the fast facts. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's just weird because everyone gives it up to the Melvins all the time. And it's like, yeah, but these dudes were around before the Melvins. Yeah, like I've never, I've never heard them. I've never once heard Dale Crover or buzz or anybody bring up the fast facts once, you know? I think it was almost like a separate little scene. Well, they they were like, you know, down the road, I guess. So it was like a little. They were, yeah, they were, yeah. But, um, but 
go on sorry but as as far as like the first early i don't know it's just weird i mm-hmm. i would think that there would be more kind of talk i mean and just knowing kurt because i've you know known him for about 16 years and he's just like the coolest dude man he's still mad about town dude like i would hang out dude he drove us to our gig in his minivan and shit and then we were just drinking all night it was hella fun man it's always like i did karaoke with him one time <laughs> we fucking we sang we sang uh we sang cold gin by kiss together and i think we did alice cooper uh i'm trying to think this is years ago i haven't seen him in years but yeah he's just like he's just like the man he's like the dude and everywhere you go everyone knows him. everyone's like oh shit what up kurt well, yeah, because he's like, you know, like as just like has a direct connection to Guns N' Roses. There's that amazing story I think Duff has in his book where uh, it's the night after they beef with Nirvana at um, the MTV Movie Awards. And Kim from the Fastback calls him up and just reams him out for beefing with Nirvana there. Like, why are you getting doing this rock star shit? And he talks about how bad he felt, like how he felt like he let down his big sister and all this yeah, sort of stuff. I- I heard some interview. Oh, I think it might've been with you. I, I don't know, but there's one Duff interview I heard where he says um, that like, if he does anything, one of the first people he like sends a song to or whoever like hits up about anything is Ken. Yeah. It's like, that's like his, his big sister kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I always, I, yeah. You know, I interviewed him one time with Danko Jones for Danko Jones's podcast and I think he said something to that effect there too, where he was just like, yeah, like this, this, the importance of this band. And I like, I'd love to see a book or a documentary or something on like the other Seattle and just focus on all this awesome stuff that for some reason gets overlooked. That's, you know, like could be like the hardcore stuff too, like brotherhood and all this sort of like galleons lap stuff and all this sort of scene that exists kind of simultaneously with all this other stuff popping off and like the fastbacks and, you know, like, um, pure joy. And like, there are all these great bands that are yeah. like, kind of just, yeah. Like overlooked in all those documentaries and books. That guy, um, Rusty Willoughby who played drums on, um, Zucker. He was in that band. Um, I think he was in pure joy and then he was in that band flop. No. Yeah. Flop too. Kurt yeah. too, I think. Right. Oh yeah, man. It's all at egg studios, man. Conrad Uno's house, man. It was sick when the ovens recorded there with Kurt. Kurt recorded us when we went up there. I was about 20. Yeah. We went up in 2005. And uh, <laughs> it was sick, man. Like we met Conrad Uno. And I remember like having to like redo a couple of takes because the supersonics were like killing it upstairs. <laughs> like, and they were just him and his wife were just like wilding upstairs. And, uh, it was tight. It was definitely like an experience, man. That was the happiest time of my whole life, man. But I remember one part uh, where, and here's the thing, dude, I was starstruck, of course, because I'm like a kid still. This is the oven's second recording ever. And we're with my, and the guy who's recording it is, I'm spending four days with the, like my favorite songwriter of all time, you know? Yeah. And I was, I was, but here's the thing. He's such a laid back and cool, just like regular dude that like, we were instantly friends and we were instantly comfortable like right away. And he, he was down to tell stories and shit. And Oh yeah. He yeah. puts you over in the same way, you know, like he, he really does, you know, talk about you as kind of like, you know, this talent and stuff like that, that he, I know, I imagine he kind of looks at you as being like the, the person kind of carrying forth the vision of this kind of music, you know, like making 
stuff that's like edgy and that's punk but does have the hooks in it too you know like and it, and like you said the muffs are another band that i would throw into this category like super yes. chunks another band i throw in this category too yeah yeah you know? um the, i mean yeah the muffs too i mean it's like i just got that um i got some records the other day from ak shop in oakland dude i meant to fucking tell you bro like next time you're in the bay you got to stop by ak's shop dude it's fucking sick dude i want to it's contact records in oakland um but anyways yeah i got that uh that new uh kim shattuck uh four track demos 12 inch oh Uh, it was like a record store day thing or something right yeah 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 i saw that on ronnie from the muffs uh instagram page that was coming out um yeah like it's just like she's got one of the greatest voices ever yeah and you know she she really does and um all those years they were a band like if you listen to the last album they made um like she never ran out of melodies or like songs like mm-hmm. ever like she mm-hmm. never never a dull moment with that band it's like a band that i would go see that was like i could de- kind of like count on kind of thing like maybe that's the way people were like with the ramones that are like older than me but it was like every like every record was good and and every show was good and they were just always the best always dude yeah and and you know it's like it's it's crazy too because it's like Kim Shattuck was working with like a pretty like as far as it was like pretty Ramones based stuff like it was like you know a lot of you know three to five chord stuff and for some reason that formula like it just always worked for them it's really amazing that like she, I think she's one of the greatest like pop songwriters ever yeah I think it's also her voice that also takes it to like this other place, you know, like she yeah. had a way to carry melody, but also there's like an anger to it. And like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, you know, rest in peace because she, oh, man. She, she left us with so much incredible stuff. Yeah, dude. I, I actually got to meet her. Uh, I got to dude TMB. We got, got to open for the Muffs in LA. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I, like, I was so nervous. This is when I was like drinking a lot. I don't drink no more, but uh, I was like hella drinking back then. And uh, I was so nervous to say, they're like, dude, we're playing with one of your favorite bands. Like they're all chilling in that room. Go say what's up. And I was like, ah, dude, I was so nervous, bro. And so I drank like two bottles of white wine and I finally got the courage, (laughs) finally got the courage up to go say what's up. And uh, she was like so nice. And uh, I met her husband and like me, her and her husband like kicked it for a bit. And it was really cool. And uh, they, yeah, man, it was great because the first time I went and saw the Fastbacks play at, um, it was like a reunion kind of gig at Bottom of the Hill. And I want to say 2011 Mm. and, and uh, it was Fastbacks in the Muffs. And so I got there, man, this is a funny story. And I I hadn't seen Kurt in a while. So Kurt's like, what's up, Tony? Like he dedicated the set to me. He's like, yo, this goes out to Tony from ovens and shit. But yo, and I was like, and I was like, Hey man, let's get a shot. Let's get a shot. So he's like tequila. And I'm like, all right, man, I get him a shot of tequila. We hit the tequila right quick. And then, uh, and then Lulu is like, did you just buy a shot for Kurt? And this is my first time meeting Lulu, by the way. I was like, yeah. And she's like, he's not supposed to take shots before we we play. (laughs) And I was, and like, she almost got like mad at me kind of thing. I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know the dynamic of that. I I just thought, I just got, I was all excited and stuff. And it's my first time seeing the Fastbacks, too, you know, because it was like when they were a band and I was a fan, they would come and they'd play Bottom of the Hill for noise pop and stuff every year. But it was always 21 and up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they never played an all ages show when I was a fan when they were still around, you know, 
And, uh, um, but yeah, it was hella funny. And then, but you know, they killed it and it was all good. And then I got to hang out with the band afterwards. And Kurt was like, you want to meet Kim Shattuck? And I was so nervous. I was like, damn, no, nah, I think I'm good. Like I was too nervous to meet her. I was like, nah, man. It's like, I'm already kicking with you guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like starstruck, you know? Yeah. There was a-, a weird, it was a weird show. Cause there wasn't that many people there. Yeah. It was just really strange because now if that show happened, I mean, obviously it, it couldn't happen now if, uh, for obvious reasons, but like, I feel like in more recent years, if it was the Muffs and Fastbacks play uh, SF, it would be fucking packed. You know yeah, what I mean? It'd probably be at a festival now, you know, like yeah, it, it, those fans together. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It would probably be at like fucking Boogaloo or whatever. Well, they don't have that anymore, but no, they've got something um, else they call it now. Yeah. T- well, you know what? Before it was the Boogaloo, it had, it was, it was always run by, it was never burger people that ran that fest. It was, um, yeah, it's a separate thing. Yeah. It was total trash. It was called total trash. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. That. So uh, it's something like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like garage dude. Like they used to have it at the store club and they'd have like Roy Loney play and shit like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It would make sense that, yeah, like it would be something where like that would happen there. And, uh, yeah. you know, like it's, it's it's unfortunate because like you're saying these bands don't really get the appreciation they deserve like there should be like a radio format that plays this stuff like could you imagine like right right you know like that's what i i don't get like the the desire to hear the same shit over and over again or like you know these these oldie stations that like well fuck i'm old now like where are my oldie stations that are playing stuff i want to hear right for sure it is it is weird I mean, even with the fastbacks too, who, okay. So my favorite fastback stuff is the nineties stuff. And, um, most people love the really early stuff. And I mean, that stuff is the most classic for sure. And it's so ahead of its time and I'm all about it, but, um, a lot. And I'm just like, what is it about who I think are the greatest pop band ever that like is not connecting with other people because they're very, I mean, I mean, dude, my, okay. My favorite record is a uh, new mansions and sound which came out in 96 on sub pop and Pearl Jam took them on tour. They're playing arenas. Yeah. And it's just weird. Like how come it's just weird. Are, are they just like a record click? Like this is like, like huge nerds like me are the only people who are down or is there like yeah. not, is there, is there like an aspect of pop music that is just not, fa- I know for a fact that people tend to gravitate toward things that are fashionable. Mm-hmm. And, and I definitely think that, like, maybe, like, a lot of pop stuff is doesn't really have that fashion angle to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the way the, the way someone would be attracted to some 80s shit, like, New Order or, or fucking whatever, fucking, like, hip fucking shit, post-punk, whatever, is, like, maybe pop doesn't really have that, you know? Um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just, it's just, it's, it's weird. Because, but here's the thing, though. When I talk about pop, like I'm literally talking about like chord changes and melody stuff, which is like probably most people don't give a fuck about that type of shit. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also just, um, it's so geographical based, you know, and like they definitely had the wrong sound for the wrong time in the right place when it comes to being right. what they were doing in Seattle at that time. Right. Like all the stuff people were gravitating towards was like, obviously super, super male, super dude um right. really moody and you know like it was a, of of a sound it seems that like kind of caught on well grunge you know like what people classify as grunge and 
because like yeah like it's what they're doing like i really do feel like if they had put out this record you know the sub pop record 91 it's almost like two years too early or three years too early for like the pop punk explosion kind of happening with green day and and you know jawbreaker i guess getting a little bit of that and screeching weasel of course famously turning their backs towards it a little bit and then offspring and then you know like i think if they put out maybe a lookout record around then it would be interesting to see you know if that world caught on to them because it's almost like just people that are into lookout stuff didn't buy it because it was on sub pop or something but just yeah it's so, you're right like it is so good you know and they never got bad like you were saying like they're one of those bands that you could Dude, also the, rely the, on the last album came out in 2000 and it's incredible yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. it's and it's so, dude, that's like twenty years of just all hits. You know, it's 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 unreal. Like that long. Um, would you think if they got out of Seattle and moved to a town like somewhere else, they would have been like more? It would have been like, oh, dude, this band moved here and it changed everything. Kind of the way like how the Melvins moved to San Francisco, and all my OG homies saw them when they were kids, and it just changed everything for them. Like, do you think yeah. that could have happened for them? Like, and where do you think it would be? Like the Midwest, like Ohio or. Yeah. Just, Cause Ohio, Ohio has a strong history with pop stuff, you know, power pop. And I don't once know. again, Ohio would like, it's like the mice are another band that I would lump into this category of like sort of these absolutely perfect pop, bands, you know, and they're, I would say even more obscure than the fastbacks. Yeah. Well, cause the mice only have like what, two or three records. They're so... impossible to find. Like impossible. Yeah. At least the the sub pop records you can kind of find. Oh, absolutely. Like um even every day is Saturday and stuff like that, you can get it. Like, yeah. I feel like the, the my stuff is scarce. Yeah, it goes for uh, hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's like really hard to get. And uh and obviously we know about Bill. I'd love to talk about Bill on here because I'm obsessed with that guy. Uh but he's not one of those people who thinks that his stuff he's not really running to get his shit in print and in stores. He's, he just doesn't think on those terms at all. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, all it really, all we really need is scat to do, just do a double LP of everything. Right? Well, there's that one weird reissue where he kind of like, apparently dictated like certain songs being on it, certain songs, not being on it, different sessions. Right. Like I, I know for a fact, a lot of labels have reached out trying to become, partner up with scat to do it or to to try and do it themselves over the years like i think a lot of i, I think uh, you know there's a lot of interest from people that know you know yeah for sure i mean yeah dude like uh you know that guy who works for relapse uh that dude rennie yeah he's a huge mice fan i remember huge talking to him once yeah and he was like dude i like hunted down all those records back in the day like um you know, and he's like kind of out there in the music world big time. You know, he like manages like fucking Kurt Weill and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. And he's like huge, huge mice head. Well, dude, the fucking Elliot Smith was a big mice head, I think. That makes sense. I, I, you know, like yeah, I was wondering yeah, about his punk connection. Well, it was um, from what I heard was that around like 98 kind of thing when Bill was doing the solo records, you know, uh, he was hip to that at the time. Mm hmm. Like, I think it was, uh, from what I heard, I can't remember who told me that, but it makes sense. You know, I think those, when those, when the solo records hit, I think a lot of people were like, oh shit. But then it kind of disappeared because he, he disappeared. 
Um, yeah, Mac from Super Chunk, I know, is a huge fan, and um, Gerard from Matador is a huge fan, and you know, like it seems like people that were in the know, like the people that love like Flying Nun records and all this kind of stuff, like yeah, you know, like the, have always rated the mice, you know, and it's because yeah. there's like there's a like a group of people, a type of person that hates the genre that is taken up as pop punk, like much in the same way you do, but all love all the bands that we're talking about, you know, or, or, or rate all the bands that we're talking about. Right, right, right. Well, it's weird because it's like, I almost feel like, okay, well, so I mentioned that I feel like maybe pop is just like not appreciated or whatever, because for me, and I'm from, you know, from San Francisco and, San Francisco has an incredible musical history with the Latin rock stuff and everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, my all-time favorite, I'm not saying the best, but I'm saying my all-time favorite San Francisco band or Bay Area band ever is the the Sire era Flaming Groovy stuff. And I'm yeah. like, that shit, that shit is incredible and people like it, but it's not like most people want to talk about Teenage Head and how it influenced the stones and the stones were like, we were, we were trying to do something like this, but, um, which is like a whole different band. And I'm like, that stuff's underappreciated. The mice are underappreciated. The fastbacks are underappreciated. Like, why is all my favorite stuff like kind of under the radar? You know, you know, what's fascinating too, is like how there's all these like post flaming groovies, punk bands or like power pop bands or like, right. You know, that are also fucking killer. Yeah. My favorite, I think slow death is probably the greatest rock song ever written. Yeah. For me, that's like, I think that song is like, like for a rock song, that's a perfect song. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. I mean, yeah, it's flawless for sure. Um, Do you think they probably hung out with Manson? Dude, they hung out with everybody, man. Like that's um, what I've always wanted. I I remember reading some interview back in the day where, um, Cyril Jordan was like, I was hanging out with James Brown when I was a child or Man. something like that. And he was like, I was the first person on the West Coast to have Beatle boots. And I was the first. And dude, he's, he's, you know, that dude is ancient. And like, he is telling the truth for sure. And uh, Do you he, think- dude, he, he still lives in Glen Park, like uh, at his mom's, like where in the house he grew up in. He still lives That's over there. That's wild. My boss at the Vogue sees him at the Safeway all the time and shit. That fool be buying like cocoa puffs and fucking orange Fanta and shit like that. <laughs> the power pop diet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The uh, uh, I was gonna say the. Um, do you think that uh, do you think Anton Lavey fucked with the flaming groovies? Here's the thing, though. At the time, okay. Here's the thing. It depends on which groovies, though, because it's like yeah, there were a lot of eras and in- incarnations. So yeah, so, so like my favorite groovies is that like seventy four to seventy eight or whatever kind of just like those three record that three record run on Sire with with Chris Wilson. But uh, I feel like when in the sixties, full when they were playing like the Fillmore West with the Dead and stuff, everyone was fucking with those fools. Yeah. And it, 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 but you know what? It's weird because a lot of the bands, the San Francisco bands, were not from the city. You know what I mean? Like uh, the Dead were but a lot of the bands were like kind of transplant people. And I'm wondering if it's like one of those things where these fools are from Glen park. They're like, we're from here fool. And the other fools were like, damn, I like moved here. I don't know if that was a thing. Like they might've been too, they might've been too real Frisco for fools or something. I don't know. But yeah. I, all the, all the early records though are like so ahead of their time and great. And 
Even, dude, their first record, which I think was self-released, the 10-inch sneakers, that shit's hella good. That record's incredible. Yeah, It got reissued. The, that's, that's accessible now. And uh, I think it got reissued not that long ago, even. Yeah, man. Like, uh, they're fucking sick. I mean, there should be a documentary about them, for sure. Or, like, a book. A book. I think books are better than documentaries, I think books, actually. you're right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, like, it's, yeah. documentaries are great because I think they're much more accessible. And if you're trying to get a band popular, like, fuck, look at the Anvil documentary. Like, growing up, Anvil was playing to, like, 12 people in Toronto on some of those shows. You know? Like, they were yeah. a band that was completely forgotten. And then it, all it takes is one documentary... And you're headlining festivals. Or you're certainly on the bill hey, of a festival. You know what's hella funny about that documentary to me? Because I saw it, you know, there was so much hype on it. And I saw it and I, I literally didn't get it because it's like they, when they went out to uh, uh, like Los Angeles and they're in like the Capitol building and they're trying <laughs> to like play this like demo CDR for like these like big time like yeah. execs. I, I feel like that makes that like that makes a good like like documentary or something like that but i'm like these folks should just have scotty put their shit out on motherfucking tank crimes bro yeah well that's but <laughs> you they, know what i'm saying like like a fucking or like any one of these like because you know obviously there's so there's so much of like old heavy metal reissue like there's such a market for that especially now yeah you know like 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 of just like oh i got the new anvil hell's headbangers dude they love old heavy metal you know i know for a fact nuclear war now those that type of shit like anyone would do that like and it's just weird. I was like, these fools are trying to get on capital and shit. It's like, yo, well, it's like they're, they're like from like a, a so era, for sure. Yeah. And they, sure. and they, it's weird. They would play like with local like metal bands that were on the come up. But I think metal's like metal kind of got punked through, you know, I don't mean punked in the, you know, modern sense, but I mean like got punk rocked up more recently in north america it's probably like municipal waste kind of connection or something where yeah yeah you, you know it's like gotten like all toxic these, ho- toxic holocaust you're right toxic holocaust definitely huge and then also midnight getting fucking ginormous and like midnight for sure definitely where, uh, um it's gotten yeah it's gotten to that point where in annihilation time i guess too you know like those later records and stuff and it's it's hit this point where it's like uh yeah like you know a power trip as well like i don't know keep throwing names in here but like i think that world was would is more of an option like and i think they would be much more inclined to kind of go with that world now but at the time i think they were yeah like (laughs) they had no one it's like wow you don't need to pay this dude like tens of thousands of dollars to record your record at this point like there's definitely cheaper studio options yeah for sure um that at that 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 air that like that specific time when at were doing two mm-hmm. at two mm-hmm. and it was that was a sick ass time because it was like the like kids that were into like hardcore and you know like um like fools like who would wear cargo shorts type fools like uh all of a sudden they started listening to fucking goddamn blue cheer and fucking serious uncle and shit like that sir lord baltimore and shit. That was, <laughs> but honestly dude it wasn't corny it was like actually cool it was like it was sick it was like a i mean they the influence they had uh over the bay area was like really sick i thought i was i was all for it yeah they were like a band that like you know and, and there was you know obviously offers from fat records and all this sort of stuff um they could have been you know like a 
you know, maybe not Mastodon or something, but like maybe, yeah, maybe like they were like beloved, you know, and I, they were so good live and yeah, that era in particular, it was just, uh, yeah. Like a band that like felt like they were going to be huge. I saw, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Cause I, I, I saw them at South by Southwest because the ovens went and played South by Southwest for the Aquarius thing. Mm-hmm. And we went to a bunch of shows. It was hella fun, dude. And, uh, it was before South by Southwest got like hella fucking whack kind of thing. It was yeah. fun back then. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, they fuck, it was, they played a big ass show and it's fucking, I remember drinking beers. Fuck Robert Collins was like up front while it was hella sick. And, uh, it was just like, I was like, damn, this band fucking rules. Cause I used to see them when they still had the guy uh, before Jimmy. Uh, oh, when Fred Hammer. Fred Hammer. Yeah. yeah. The old school Oxnard dude. And, when they were like really on some blast type shit. Yeah. Yeah. They were and, and that it, era too. I liked, I like that. Oh, it was great. That shit was great, man. Yeah. That record's underrated. Cause it's, it's just sick, dude. It's just riffing music, dude. And fucking honestly, I don't want, I know this is the pop uh, episode, but I just want to <laughs> say, dude, like the, the blast influence in, in guitar music is such a fucking, that's like, okay. There's certain elements of hardcore music. I think that could be a dead end. Like musically, like if you played screamo and shit in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, and when that bubble burst, a lot of these people got like lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but the fools that got into blast and and like had blast be a part of their framework for their uh for their like influence and stuff, um, that shit is fucking went on to do all this like all this sick like fucking stoner shit. That's all fools, that's all hardcore fools, that's all black blast type fools, you know? Caius, Fu Manchu fucking you know at like it's all you know what i mean it's like yeah uh, there's something about blast that it like uh allows people to sort of like move on into the next sick ass thing but like without abandoning hardcore and without like kind of jumping onto like a trend or something you know it's like there's something about blast john dwyer was talking about blast to me the other day you know, like even, even the OCs are influenced by blast. There you go, man. There you go. But here's the, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's, there's special advantage. There's some power in the riffing, man. You know? Yeah. Uh, what's, yeah. 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 Some power. Yeah. In the, what's that? You know, what's weird is like, there's this, like, uh, let's talk about scenes that like disappear. There's yeah. this like scene that existed briefly. That's kind of adjacent to the scene that we're talking about where it's like, almost like this, you know, international scene that I would lump the cruise record stuff in with, uh-huh. I, I would say, uh, asexuals and the Doughboys out of Canada. Right. Um, definitely mega city four, but maybe snuff and some of that sort of stuff that's happening in England. And then the hard ons in Australia. And they're all, right. they're all kind of like playing together and all kind of doing the, not like the same sound, but a sound that like somehow works. And it feels like that's a scene or that style of, of pop punk. Yeah. That's, that's definitely all pop punk adjacent stuff for sure. Yeah. And it's like disappeared now, right? Like no one really does that sort of stuff anymore in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the Doughboys, I haven't heard the Doughboys in forever, dude. Same thing with the hard ons. I haven't heard the hard ons in fucking forever. They both hold up. I promise. I believe it for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, all all was like you know, all was like a big part of that, right? Yeah, huge. Yeah, and I like, just watched that documentary the other day. 
Oh, the old documentary? Yeah, dude. It, it was it, it, it's as inspiring to me because like I, I never got huge into uh, all or the descendants to tell you the truth, but like the fact that like they no one liked all and they just kept moving and no one liked it. Yeah, I was I thought that was sick. <laughs> that's the shit that's inspiring to me, you know? It's like like the underdog type shit. Yeah. They yeah. had a cult around them though. Like the people that love all love all, you know? Yeah, like for sure, for sure. And well, it, it made it made me want to go back and like buy the cuz I used to have I had all Roy says the one with uh, Dave Smalley. I had that uh, when I was a kid. Um, I, I I'd be fucking hella down to get some of the early ones. That shit's cool, dude. They keep the bass hella high up in the mix, and it's like crazy. Like they they have a weird sound where it almost sounds like fucking Jocko Pistorius or some fucking weird <laughs> like fusion jazz pop yeah, punk shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird sound, and I think it's like. It's cool that they were also like really good at their instruments and like played like all downstroke, like just really weird shit, man. Um, it's fascinating because it's like this genre is so you know like taken up by kids and it's like so targeted at kids that adults that play this music that get like these chops. It's like it's interesting to see what they're gonna do with with these skills applied to this music, like you said earlier, is like so Ramones based. Right, 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 right. For sure um yeah sure. like, but I'm, as I'm, far as like the, the cruise records kind of stuff it's like i'm not that familiar with any of that stuff really um but i hear what you're saying because i know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah and i've like talked to some of those people and they talk about how that was like their scene you know and it was right it did kind of make sense that you know all these bands were doing this thing but i guess it kind of gets supplanted on on like a lot of way or in a lot of ways by the fat stuff you know, like uh-huh, fat, uh-huh. fat had like satellite operation type bands in every city in the same sort of way, it seems, or like, you know, there was like a fat, you know, there's Frizzle Rom in Australia. There's. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. You know, snuff, I guess. Weirdly, though, snuff doesn't really ever fit with fat records to me. Yeah, they're, uh, well, dude, you know, fucking Alan, Alan McNaughton. Uh, that fool, that yeah. That fool grew up in Scotland. That fool. He hella grew up seeing snuff and shit. Yeah, they're amazing stuff. I, I'm a huge fan of them. You know, and they connect to hard skin too. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think you, ah, someone told me that. Yeah, they were like tight with hard skin back then. They used to play together. And uh, hard skin's original drummer was the drummer of the band Lush too. Oh, shit. There you go. And also, I really, Perfect Days, which was like a, uh, you know, like a pop. You know, like a, a band that would totally fit in with the stuff that we're talking about back then. I just learned that's Lawrence, the guy that runs Domino Records Band. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's amazing how it like even connects to Britpop, this stuff. Wow, yeah. I mean, yeah, what is it about? That's crazy. Wait, hold on a second, man. Hold on. No problem. Well, uh, I was going to say, though, about when we were on the subject of the mice. Hmm. Is that what I recently uh, uh, just bought? Was that reissue of the first Beatnik Termites twelve inch from like ninety or eighty nine or something? Oh, weird! Who put that? Did they self release that originally? Yeah, it was self released. It was like a hundred dollar record. Uh, I think it is like about a hundred, some something around there now. But uh, I think some Euro label like reissued it. And man, dude, that thing is that's okay. That's a, a great pop 
like sort of the pop punk adjacent, but just great pop songwriting records. Mm. And I, I want to give that one a shout because it's like, I, I wish I had heard that when I was 14, when I was still wearing the uh, high top chucks and fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's such a class, it, it's total high top chuck, like shit. But th- here's the thing about it though. It's got that mice influence. Cause it's hella Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're a band that, you know, like, oh, I guess St. Valentine's day, St. Valentine's put out like one of their early records I'm seeing now too. Um, which, you know, like did, so many like death of samantha like so many cool the mice records of course too the off beats and all uh, that uh, so. doug doug giller from G- gbv he was in uh death of samantha right i think death of samantha i think all, a lot of them were in uh gbv in different times right like right right maybe most of them but yeah doug giller definitely but i think john was in it too for a while and like i think there might even be one lineup of gbv that's like you know a lot of the death of samantha people maybe the whole band but i'm i might be completely wrong on that but uh but yeah like they put out like a lot of cool stuff on that label so i guess it would make sense that the beatnik termite beatnik termites were on there too but i had no idea i read an interview with the guy and he was like super sick just talking about his influences and stuff and i was like damn this is like a band that like i really should have been listening to when i was a kid because it just hits that kind of you know like that that spot of like perfect ramones kind of like pop songs but like still about song structure and chords and all that kind of stuff and yeah man that's just underrated man like i hope that i hope that record like people pay attention to that first 12 inch especially yeah dude like it's cool man like i didn't know it was self-released and shit it's like damn that's sick um but yeah ohio yeah there's there's also like that stuff in florida too like the pink lincolns and right God, I'm, tra- I'm trying to, I'm blanking on the other band that I would, uh, put in there too. But yeah, there's like, uh, you know, and I think there's probably some stuff in Chicago. Like what's the pre vindictives band. There's like a pre vindictives thing. That's pretty fucking awesome. I can't remember, man. Like it's been so, I, I haven't heard the vindictives since I was really young and I barely remember what they sound like. I had their Ramones album though. Which one did they do? I'm trying to remember which one they did. Yeah. I had the CD for a second back in the day um i love his voice it's like one of the highest voices ever for sure for sure um but they uh I'm trying to, now i'm going to look it up what's the first were they were they were they chicago yeah chicago for sure so they were like parasites are chicago too right i never really list got into them though parasites i think are are florida maybe oh shit okay um victims of society is that his punk yeah victims of society that was his like pre-vindictives band is it sick? It's sick. Yeah. Like, and it's another one of these ones that you're like, you're talking about that goes for, you know, oh, you know, not, not, not as bad. I mean, oh, maybe that's a CD version that's cheaper. Um, but oh, anyway, do, it's, I think it's, I think it is a pretty expensive record. It was got reissued su- in 2003. So maybe it's come down in price on CD. Dude, I had a super Damien question for you. Uh, that, um, so my friends, actually, my friends who, uh, they were the people who introduced us to the uh, ovens to Kurt when we were younger, uh, this band from Bainbridge Island called the Holy ghost revival. Mm-hmm. And they grew up with Justin Maurer, who was in the Clorox girls. And uh, Kurt had recorded the first Clorox girls LP um, at egg. And that's kind of how the whole thing started between us. You know, the, the Clorox girls got like really big back then, dude, they were like really popular and they were playing like packed gigs. And it's like, 
we so they were our friends from before and um like the drummer clay his old hardcore band did a split with dystrophy in like 2002 okay and like so we go back with all these guys they're the first people but um uh my friend here's the question uh he was like talking about the makers like that old like kind of hip hip band in in washington or whatever and they had a hardcore band back in the day called like bottom out or something like that have you you know what i'm talking about? it's like no. straight edge like youth crew weird no i yeah, don't know that it was the, it was the makers and it was like it might have been like on some brotherhood type shit i don't know i haven't heard oh i gotta check that yeah, out yeah. but that's some that's some damien shit for sure what about this for uh some tony shit you know justin uh was just uh, like won an oscar or something from the clorox girls for what uh, for doing uh what did he i don't know like did, jonah was telling me about this the other day that he's jonah saw him on the oscars up there or something winning that's oscars. amazing yeah that's that's amazing man he's the man he deserves it man uh, justin is an incredible person for sure i mean we've known him since fucking the dystrophy days he was in a band called maurice's little bastards back in the day and they were like kind of hardcore and uh we yeah dystrophy used to play with it they, they were like the first like uh northwest friends we ever made we're still i haven't talked to justin in how long he lives in la now um but he's still a homie and uh but the Holy Ghost dudes, I'd still like, well, I'm in a group chat with those fools and with some of the ovens guys. And we still just talk about the fastbacks all day long. <laughs> like for I think, real. I think I saw Holy Ghost or we played. Dude, they were fucking something. sick. They were fucking sick. Dude, you might've, dude, we might've booked you on with them. I'm pretty sure uh, we did play with them. Actually. I'm, I'm sure I played with them at some point. Oh, well, he, Will won, Rick- he won an Oscar. He was part of the team that made Coda. What's Coda? Coda's like that. Um, it's it's a uh, film about so I think someone losing their hearing or, or uh, oh it's the actor who won for uh, for the Oscar for uh, he's the first deaf man to win an Oscar uh, yeah, he won yeah for the sure. film Coda but apparently I'm reading that Justin was part of the team I'm trying to find where well just Justin's mom is deaf so he grew up like uh kind of like he so he knows about that kind of stuff because his mom's deaf or whatever like so he like would always like um be really like when you talk to him he'd like be really close up and like kind of like like watch your your uh, lips moving yeah kind of thing like that he was yeah he was always like that oh this yeah no i'm trying to like he's got an imdb page and everything too so hell yeah dude shout out to justin shout out to justin man congratulations to him bainbridge island hardcore man yeah (laughs) yeah yeah dude you ever been to Bainbridge, man? I don't think so. Maybe we've driven through it, but no, I don't think so. Oh, he's the ASL consultant and interpreter on like a bunch of stuff, including on the Oscars, too. Hell yeah. That's the man right there. Sick ass fool. Yeah, man. Gotta, gotta try and track him down and have him on the podcast at some point. Yeah, um, dude. But there, there's uh yeah, that band's another band that's sick. I love I've still got all my Clorox Girls records dude they were fucking sick dude it was like that was a really exciting that was the first time where like fools that were just friends of ours like kind of like that sort of like oh dude they're gonna blow up you know what i mean it's like that's Mm. that happened a few Mm -hmm. times with us it was like um they were the first because it was like they got really it was really exciting to like their shows would get bigger and there's like a lot more people and it was like this is sick um and obviously, like ovens would open, and like for some of them, uh, their shows and stuff back then, it was a lot of fun, man. That was those are good times. Like they were such a cool band, and um, 
yeah dude like and clay dude i don't know if you know about clay silva but he's like a huge crazy record collector dude man i think he's still in portland but he's from fresno and uh dude that fool is wild with the mm. he's like you bro he's like wild record collector ass fool for real for real and um oh, yeah, i've man. slowed down i've like I'm, i've entered my retirement phase oh for real <laughs> yeah i'm kind of what what is some of your like uh what what is some of the if like a uh, couple uh grails that you're still looking for oh i could still like i could you know i'm still looking for everything but you know i've, I've had to slow down on how much i'm buying just because i've run out of space and and funds to you know now every time i buy a record i think about what i'm depriving my children of <laughs> yeah didn't stop me though i did deprive my children of some stuff on the fucked up uk tour because i found like some icelandic records i wanted and you know i i, I had to you know, I figured the kids would love them, you know, so it's kind of a gift for them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, that's funny. Dude. My dad used to buy me albums that he wanted and stuff. So like my birthday, I'd get like tapes and it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, I, it was, it was hella like that. It, yeah. I mean, I grew up that way. Like my dad getting me albums that he wanted and stuff. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of, uh, SF connection stuff, I was yeah. at, um, I was in, uh, in Iowa just before I went to England for the, to do a live podcast. And while I was there, I went to this record store and just went to this record store, just was talking to the dude who worked there. And he's like, Oh yeah, I used to play in, in bands and stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah. What band? He's like, Oh, I played saxophone on the flipper record. I'm like, Fuck, yeah. he played in that band, the Popo pies back in the day. Right. Oh yeah. Old school. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And Damn. I guess he played in Neil hamburgers first band too. Yeah. That dude, he was like a Frisco dude back in the day. Huh? Yeah. 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 I guess he did like two, uh, I guess Neil Hamburger under his, his real name did like two tapes. Um, or, or Greg, I guess Greg is his real name. He goes by Greg now publicly, I guess I was uh, first time I met him. Yeah. Greg Turkington. First time I met him, I wouldn't even, I I wasn't even know if like, I was supposed to approach him. I'm like, Oh, is it like wrestling? Like, is he keeping kayfabe? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He was chill. He was chill. (laughs) Uh, let's get back to the, let's get back to the pop. Let's get back to the pop, man. Let's let's keep going. Yeah, let's go on. Let's go. Um, so, who else would you bump into this genre? Just underrated, like unreal pop stuff. Like outside of like, yeah, I, I would say. Um, well, no, I'm just saying like this sort of like yeah, like a genius pop songwriting. That's yeah, kind of like um, that. Okay, uh, fuck. We did talk about the a lot of the main ones. Um, I gotta think about that for a bit. There's, there's. I put Super Chunk in this for me too. Yeah, you know, I'm not too familiar with their catalog. I have the first like three. I think I have No Pocky for Kitty. I have the 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 one with the orange cover. I think it's like self titled. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know. I'm not huge on them, but like the shit I have is fucking sick. I always like that stuff. They just played SF. Um, a bunch of my friends went. Um, fuck, dude. Now I'm trying to think. They're a band that's never put out a bad record, in my opinion. Like, yeah, dude. I know. I know. It's like all my friends who uh, who are like big super chunk heads. Like they celebrate the whole. Ca- They're kind of like Teenage Fan Club in that way, I guess. Teenage Fan Club is also a band that just stayed good. Yeah. Like. They just stayed good. And like, um, I don't know how they did it. I think it's just, dude, I think it's like much like the fastbacks. I think certain bands, they, they don't 
like just go on tour and like burn out on tour mm-hmm. and they they kind of keep it more they kind of keep things more like just like chilling like people have kids and stuff like that and i think when you do that you have like more like staying power as far as like being able to put out like another record you know take your time you know I, that's the stuff I, I i like really um like all my the people i like look up to are the people that like are lifers you know what i mean and 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 so like i you know, I think Kurt Block is one of those guys. I think that like yeah. the, the West Bay Coalition dudes are like that. You know what I mean? Like they're still doing like some of the best shit they've ever done. And they're like, you know what? Fucking going on 30 years deep, putting out stuff. And mm-hmm. that's the stuff that like is inspiring to me, man. Like it's it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure Bill Fox is still recording like incredible songs that he's not releasing that we'll never hear. But, you know, he's also like my he's. <laughs> He's my number three, I think, you know? Yeah. Well, like, so, and Super Chunk covers the mice. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. But, you know, I got to say, though, I do have to say um, the Bill Fox solo records are 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 more, like, special to me than the mice. For, like, way, way more, way more. Even though I love the mice. Uh, I just, I don't know. There's something about those solo records. Dude. Yeah, you, but you also pick the Riverdales over Screech I do, Weasel. I do, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I yeah, dude, I like you know, I, I yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I like Machine Gun Etiquette more than the you know first Damned album. I like uh, I tend to like some later stuff more, I guess. With with like with bands and stuff like that, you know, uh, not with Savage, but with a lot of stuff though, you know, like I, I'd be liking some later shit for sure. But I celebrate whole catalogs, though. You know what I mean? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Within Lizzie, though, it's the early stuff with Eric Bell. That stuff is my favorite stuff more before the like classic shit. I mean, all of it's classic, but I don't know, man. It all depends. It all it all depends. Yeah. It all hell depends. But yeah, dude. Um Yeah, yeah. Well shit, dude. Fucking I, I think I think your screeching weasel what? take is one of the most controversial ones on the show. Yeah, dude. You know, it's not that crazy. It's like it's the vocals and a great song is a great song. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, the, the first album I ever had by them was the first album. And it's like these like sort of like cartoony, like hardcore songs on it, which is great when you're 14, but then like murder in the Brady house comes on and that song's hella good, dude. It's like, damn, this dude's a songwriter, you know? Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man, like weasel, I, I got to revisit it because it's like you and Woj talking about it. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm just so I'm such in a sixties and early seventies, like whole the last few years that like, um, but it's not that like, it's not like I don't have time for screeching weasel. I, I could fit in it. It should probably just put on my brain hurts or something like that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm actually like not even the deepest. Well, that's not true. I, I think I love the screeching weasel singles. I think to me, their, their seven inches are just like incredible. So that's killed kill the musicians. I think as most of the singles on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about the Riverdale is that's a little bit different though, is that um, Danny Vapid like writes a lot of songs too. And he's like a lot more of like a ballad type dude. And that's what I kind of mm-hmm. gravitate to. Yeah. I gravitate to that thing i don't know if it's because i'm latino or what but i'd be gravitating towards ballads a lot um you know and like uh uh where i feel like with with weasel it's kind of just it's band wilding out a lot of it you know 
And I don't know, man, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I kind of feel like the way, the way I look at the, I mean, you know, my favorite queers is like those ballad songs. I actually made a mixtape for a friend the other day of only those songs. And it was so fun to make, you know, like I met her at the rat fucking like, those are great. Just timeless pop songs, man. You know? And I think a lot of what people don't like about pop punk and stuff like that is like simple things like production and stuff, you know, like people like cool sounding, obscure sounding shit you know what i mean and like a lot of that stuff is just like pretty like you know like not overproduced but like pretty produced sounding stuff and a lot of people don't have time for that you know 90s production or whatever you know i get it yeah like screeching weasel i think always has weird songs too like on anthems for a new tomorrow they've got uh uh i robot and uh there's a couple other songs on that record that are like kind of like weirder moments you know and then i like as long as like i want to be a homosexual and like uh right right you know i'm trying uh what's that there's that one song where he tries to sound like fat mike on it oh god that's pretty awesome too <laughs> they've got like a lot of weird deep cuts hell they have hell shit have you ever heard the screeching weasel born again split uh yeah dude i have heard that actually yeah i have yeah there that's some of the best screeching weasel stuff um it's been it's been years it's been years and right is what was it like suzanne's getting married or whatever or? No, no that's what they do that's something else is that even them yeah, yeah that's them that's them oh uh, they, they they covered born against on it well no i think they, the deal was that they wrote songs for each other they wrote lyrics for each other oh right that's what it is yeah, 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 yeah. i'll check it out again man it's been a long time but i'll check it i'll check it for sure uh tony this has been amazing man and Anytime you want to come on this show, you know, I, you're one of my favorite people to talk to about music. You too, man. I, I, I love talking records with you. There's so much more to talk about, man. We got to do pop, pop talk again, man. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.